0: Thank you. Oh, that's a good start. Um, Thanks for not having any flags. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a little too much, maybe. Um, So (laughs) we are reading the end of Acts chapter 2. And we're just looking at that kind of mainly in the context of small groups. But um, actually, hopefully it's applicable to every area of church, every area of just following Jesus. So uh, Acts 2, 42 to 47, it's the very last little paragraph. Um, It's obviously on the screen, I'll just read it. (laughs) Um, So, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together and with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So um, these are like some pretty loaded verses. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever read them before. Um, I don't think I had really, but they're pretty full of of good stuff. Um, it is worth questioning, I think, like why that's relevant to us, because Like, this is exciting stuff, sure, but this was 2,000 years ago. Their church didn't look like this. They probably didn't have microphones or chairs in rows or (laughs) like guitars and projectors. And like, we just look quite different to them. So, um, you know, how helpful is it to try and learn much from a culture that's so different? They spoke a different language. Um, We're not in the same boat as them in a lot of ways. But um, fundamentally, like, we are the same church. There wasn't ever a break where the early church stopped and the modern church started. Like, we are the inheritors of everything that's that's gone before us. Um, and it's the same God that's moving among us now that was, that was working then. Um, and so actually, I think these are really helpful for us as we consider small groups, which we have been for the last few weeks, Um, And as we pray and ask God about, like, what what do our small groups look like? What does church look like for us? Um, So I think there's kind of three main points we can get from this. Um, The first one is just about being a committed community. And you can see in that first verse they do four things. So there's teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And I think all four things are in there because we miss out if we're not doing all four. Um, it can be really tempting for us to just think, oh, if I'm just praying, that's great. Like, that's me cultivating my personal relationship with God. That's great. But they do all four in this, in the early church. Um, So they have prayer. So like cultivating a personal relationship with God, that is crucial. (laughs) I don't want you to think, I'm not saying that, obviously, that's a good one. Um, But they're teaching, so they're investing in each other, they're willing to be taught, they're learning, Um, they have fellowship, so they're spending time together and really praying for each other, investing in each other, Um, and they're breaking bread, so they're sharing um, amongst themselves, they're sharing meals, and they're remembering what Jesus has done. Um, And when it talks about breaking bread in these chapters of Acts, it is talking about a meal, like they would eat together. But it's also talking about um, communion. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But essentially, like they broke bread and they remembered what Jesus did on the cross. And they remembered how he gave up his body. Um, and that's another like crucial element. It's communal worship, basically. So unless we're doing all four, we miss out. It is not enough, as these chapters tell us, to just do one. The fullness of of the Christian life and the fullness of following Jesus and seeing a church or a small group thrive, I think it needs all four. Um, And it also says they devoted themselves. Um, And I was quite curious about what that meant. I didn't really, It's a kind of, I don't know if you ever find this in the Bible. I read it and I'm like, "Mm, I don't actually really know what that means. (laughs) Being devoted to the apostles' teaching. so I looked it up and I just wanted to see like what other translations say if you've got another translation of the bible I might say something different but you can also translate that as um, they persevered or they persisted or they steadfastly continued um, which I think is a bit more realistic than if it just said like they loved the apostles teachings or like they just adored learning from the apostles Um they persisted and I think if you've been around church for a little while, that might just sound more realistic <laughs> um sometimes, especially if you're trying to do all four, it can be really hard <laughs> like life just gets in the way sometimes you're too tired to go to a small group in the week or you just want to lie in on a Sunday morning and you don't want to be on a team or like your health's not great or you know you're not feeling very well or um, you don't maybe get on all the time with everyone in church. You just got nothing in common with them. or You don't like the worship or whatever. Like there's so many reasons to just not get involved and to not plug in that the way these guys are plugged in. Um, but actually, these things are worth persevering in. What we see in these chapters is that this is where like God moves. When you do all four of these things, when you're serving and you're being served and you're teaching and you're being taught and you're praying, um, the Lord moves and the Lord uses it and it's worth persevering in. So especially as we think about small groups, I would really encourage you to persevere (laughs) and persist in those things. Um, It also says they had everything in common, um, which... I don't I like when you first read that I think in our modern context we talk about oh if you have everything in common that means you're really similar and like you know if you've got something you've got a friend and you've got loads in common with them that means you're kind of the same in a lot of ways um I don't actually think that's what this this means <laughs> um they're kind of talking here about they have everything in common like everything all their things are shared amongst them so they share their resources. And actually, it wasn't the case that they were all similar. And it shouldn't be the case now. I think we have missed something (laughs) if, as a church, we all look the same. Um, It's really tempting sometimes, but I don't think it's enough to just be a group of people who are really good friends because we all really like each other. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I do really like you all. (laughs) We are that as well. of course we are and that's you know fellowship like hopefully we do really love each other but um the church has to be more than just a bunch of friends who look like each other and i think actually it's from the start as we see here it's like the great miracle of the church that we are all a really random bunch of people (laughs) and like church should be people that you would never otherwise meet and people whose paths you would never otherwise cross unless What you had in common was Jesus and unless Jesus is the everything you have in common um, again like you're missing something it has to be about him that binds us and it's yeah it's really good for us to be different that's where we see hopefully the growth and discipleship and that's where we see people coming to know Jesus like these guys did because they weren't people who on the surface had everything in common and I really learned this lesson <laughs> when i was um a few years ago when I was a student in nottingham um we had student small groups in our church um and essentially, it doesn't matter why the way it broke down is there was two universities in Nottingham, so the small groups would kind of split per uni, and I ended up in a small group that was the same university as me, the same year as me. <laughs> several people also on my course <laughs> were in my small group, so and it was great fun, <laughs> we had a great time, mainly because we were in the pub a lot and we played a lot of games. Um, it was great. <laughs> um, and we, yeah, we had a lot of fun and then at some point we realized we're just a group of friends who hang out a lot, which is obviously very good and that's obviously a great thing to have. But we kind of realized we've kind of stopped being church and we've just started to be people who like each other. Um, and so we had to push ourselves to do stuff like we would go and do soup run. Like, this ties in very well with a lot of your notices, by the way, like we planned it. (laughs) But we would do things like take warm clothes and food and hot drinks out to people who were sleeping rough on the streets, or we would go to, like, the refugee forum and help people who were moving to Nottingham from other countries, and we would, like, set up the flats that they were going to move into and that kind of thing, and just serve our city, because maybe if you've been around church, you've also learned this. It's not enough to just hang out with a group of people who look like us and who we really like, and sometimes talk about Jesus. That's not what church is. That's not what these guys are doing in these passages. Um, And as fun as that is, we also probably won't grow. We won't have people come to know Jesus if that's what we do. So the first thing they do is that they are a committed community in that sense. Um, And (coughs) secondly, they are an outward-looking community. So it says in... Verse 46, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together. So they are worshipping, they're gathering in public and in private. And that, I think, is very easy to miss in these verses, but is crucial, especially for us as we think like, oh, what can we learn from these people? So if you know the book of Acts, you know that we're just a few chapters, however long that is after Jesus dying. Um, So these people have had their friend die, and then resurrect, and then go to heaven. Um, But then, just in the next chapter, people start plotting against him. The religious authorities start condemning them. And then just four chapters later, in chapter six, Stephen is stoned as the first martyr. So it's not um, an easy environment to be a Christian in. And at this point, you know, they've had a significant number of people come to know Jesus. I think if this was me, I would just be like, let's just call it like (laughs) we've got enough people now. Let's maybe move somewhere else or start just meeting like secretly in our houses or just meet privately. Like because it's no great leap to think trouble's coming. This is not going to be easy to meet like this, but they persist or persevere in um, meeting in public and they they meet in the temple courts where they know they're going to annoy some people by talking about Jesus. Um, isn't that challenging? <laughs> I find that really hard. That um, Essentially they're just not shy about what they believe or what they're doing um, when it would be very easy to be and just to keep it quiet and just tone it down um, and they don't. And they keep on doing it, and essentially they are making themselves easy to find. They're making themselves easy to join in with. Um, and the same, even when they meet privately, um, they're not meeting in like closed, secret places. The culture that they're in, the hospitality culture, it um, meant that anyone who showed up at the door was welcome, and you fed them, and you you welcomed them in, and they could just join you. Um, and So even when they meet privately, I suspect they do that just to be a bit more intimate and just to to eat together and to do the things they can't quite do in public, but they're still very much easy to be found and easy to join in with. Um, and I think like for us, as we think about small groups, isn't that a challenge to think like, oh, are we ready every week for someone to turn up at the door who doesn't know Jesus? Like, do we have enough food? Do we have enough space? Uh, can we adapt quickly if someone just rocks up and decides they want to come in? are we ready as a group to expand and to receive someone like that? Or many people like that? Um, Yeah, isn't that hard? (laughs) Um, And they still, even though they're in this very hostile environment, um, and they would have had hostile reactions to their public worship, um, they are still praising God with glad and sincere hearts. And I don't think that they, it's, it's kind of the other way around. They've not got glad and sincere hearts because life's really easy and so they're praising God. They're praising God still, even though it's tricky, and the result of that is they have glad and sincere hearts and that they meet together and still can find time to have fellowship together and love each other. And then they break bread. Um, They're always ready to talk about Jesus. They're always ready to remember what he's done. He's what it it always comes back to for these guys, is that um, it's the sacrifice of Jesus. And so this is actually something that they did so much. This is how the early church were identified. <coughs> and the Roman culture that they was in for the first few centuries of the church, the Romans thought it was really weird and they couldn't figure out what the Christians were doing because they were like, they eat together, but it's also a body <laughs> and it's also blood. And they talk about, you know, the wine is Jesus' blood and the bread is his body. and But they did it so much that that's how they were recognized. Isn't that like the dream? Imagine if someone could like not know anything about us but see us as a church community or as a small group and be like, I don't really know what they do. They talk about Jesus a lot. I don't know. Because <laughs> that is essentially what happened for, for these guys and for actually like several hundred years, Christians were just the people who had communion. They're the ones who talked about Jesus. Um. Yeah, challenging as well. (laughs) They also, it says, weirdly, um, they have the favor, they enjoy the favor of all the people. Um, Odd, considering the context they're in, like they are in a hostile environment, but they're still finding favor, somehow. Um, I suspect that's because they're generous and because they still give away to anyone who has need. they give away what they have, they have everything in common, So they pool all their resources, they get all their money together, all their food, all their stuff, and they just give it away. And they give it away to each other. You know, they're probably generous within themselves because, as we said, they're not all the same. Some people would be quite wealthy, some people probably weren't. But as believers, they share amongst themselves. They also gave away, and they didn't just give away their money or their stuff, but they were healing people, and they were telling people about Jesus, and they were acknowledging people. You can read even in Acts chapter 2, but all through Acts, they are healing people who were chronically ill, and who were ignored, and who were passed over by everyone else, and they would pay them attention, and they would pray for them, and they would tell them about Jesus, Um, and I suspect that's what's winning them favor. People respond to kindness, people respond to generosity, and these guys just made it their mission to give away as much as they could um, materially and you know, in a spiritual sense. They were just giving away everything they had, everything they learned. Um, again, isn't that a challenge? Imagine if we were a church who could be known by like, oh, they just give away everything. Like, you know, they maybe, they can't like afford to do anything glamorous for themselves because They're giving away all their money, or they're running all these events, or they're feeding people who are hungry. That's how amazing would that be that people could see Jesus in that? Um, And actually, that is what's happening like in this church, in churches everywhere. People everywhere respond to the kindness of churches, even if they don't recognize Jesus. It doesn't always have to be about like people making a commitment to Jesus but people can see the generosity of God in the way that the church acts and actually about a year ago um I was praying for another vineyard church um elsewhere in the country who um were just buying a building to meet for in their Sunday meetings they were looking for somewhere to own for themselves and um I was praying for them and I thought oh I think the Lord is maybe saying like you're gonna I don't know, just have some favor with schools and with um, like the local schools around you. I think, I don't know, maybe you'll be asked to go in and do assemblies or loads of people want to bring their kids to join you or something like that. I did not really know. Um, but anyway, I was praying for them for that. And then months later, I heard about um, a story of this church. So they do a food bank all through the year. They just always have a food bank running. And people in the church buy like canned foods and all the kind of foods you would take to a food bank just during the week and they bring them on a Sunday and then outside agencies refer people to this church to come and get bags, um, as a lot of food banks do. Um, And then they were thinking, oh, over the summer holidays, there's probably loads of families in our town who have kids who get free school meals and they're not going to get that over like the six weeks of the summer holidays. So maybe we could do something... Like, you know, they weren't sure, but they wanted to do something. So they called up a school that's just around the corner from their new building and said, um, like, do you have a need for this in your school? We kind of think, you know, we could maybe help out if you do. We wouldn't want people to go hungry. And this woman who worked at the school was like, where are you? Can I come and see you now? And um, (laughs) like that afternoon, they made this plan. This woman in the school had identified all these families who she thought would probably be in need. Um, They made up like a whole... A whole plan for them, a whole system where they gave them little tokens and all through the summer they had these families come back um every week to come and get food banks and this this church was able to feed the schools. And um they now have a relationship with that school. The school is like, Oh, can we do something else over other holidays? Can we do this again next summer? Like that bond is now there. They found favour with that school because they're generous. I think that's probably what these verses are talking about. Um yeah when we look to to serve with our, um, even just like some cans of food or our money, or to tie it back into your notices, <laughs> with like our time, or when we give financially to the church, or when we serve on a team, we're enabling something much bigger to happen. We're in like, in being generous, we're reflecting something of the character of God, and as a community, something really powerful happens in that. Um, and I think the final thing we can learn from these verses is that um, they're God's community. Ironically, this is my last point. It probably should have been the first, because I think this is primarily the point for them. Um, they're the Lord's community. It's the Lord who adds to their number daily. Um, I think that's kind of the fundamental lesson. Like We can be as outward looking as we like, and we should be, and we can be as committed to each other and as committed to building community as we like, and we should be. But it's the Lord who adds to our number, and if we're gonna grow or stretch in any way, it's because of the Lord, and it's because he's already moving, and because we're just joining in and stream learning, streamlining ourselves with what he's doing. And actually, that means the burden is off us. <laughs> um, all we have to do is, kind of to bring it back to those four things, we have to just commit to each other, Commit to loving each other, pray for each other, pray individually, be outward looking, and then the Lord can do the rest. Um, That's the point for these guys. It says, like, they're breaking bread. Um, Daily, the Lord is adding to their number. They're continually meeting in public, in private. People can see what they're doing. They're not shy about their worship. Um, I think, again, what you said about there's something powerful about coming or something courageous about coming to worship, that's because when we worship communally like this, publicly, something really powerful happens, I think. like, We bring it back to the Lord. We are a random group of people. We are friends (laughs) as well. (laughs) Of course we are. It's lovely to gather together, but we gather together to worship. It's about the Lord. Um, We can go on for years and years, just being a really lovely group of people who really like each other and even being a lovely group of people who are so generous with everything we have and who give away and who love our city. But we're not doing this, we're not doing this stuff if we're not also bringing it back to the Lord, if we're not doing it from a place of knowing this is because the Lord has called us to do this, because the Lord is gonna add to our number, because the Lord is doing something already. Um, We talk a lot in the church if you've been around church for a bit, you've maybe heard it about um loneliness being a real thing in our culture. And I think that's true. I think it is. But we also I think can forget sometimes that in the church we don't have the monopoly on community. Actually, the rest of the world can sometimes do community really well. And um hopefully all of us, if you follow Jesus in this room, you hopefully know. Lots of people who don't know Jesus and you have great relationships with them and you love them dearly. And you can see that sometimes they can have really thriving lives, like, and really wonderful relationships. Um knowing Jesus doesn't mean that like we are the only people who do relationships well <laughs> and no one else does. Um yeah, sometimes the rest of the world does community well. What the rest of the world can't do is be the church and we th- we, no one needs another social club <laughs> really and if, if all we are is a group of people who meet together and who really like each other we're just a social club and um, we're not a church but the Lord is looking to, to add to his church he's looking to grow the people of God and um, people, we're, we're kidding ourselves if we think this might sound harsh people don't stay because they love us people might come because we invite them and because we have that relationship with them or because we're generous but people won't stay and won't come to know Jesus because we're lovely (laughs) it's because we talk about Jesus himself and it's because we let him do what he's already doing and that was definitely my story for the first however many years of my life I never went to church I didn't know Jesus. It was just not a thing we did in our family at all. I didn't really know anyone who did, and I was fine. Um, it would be very easy to stand up here and say like, oh, "I was walking about with this like existential kind of dread because I just knew I was missing something and I was lonely." But like, I was fine. Um, sometimes people just are fine without Jesus, and they just don't know. They just don't know enough about Him to know that He could be something else. And um, I was fine. And then my friend, I sat next to her in science class, and she invited me to church one day and I had a sleepover and I went on Sunday morning. Firstly, they had excellent snacks, <laughs> um, which was probably played a bigger role than it should have done <laughs> in why I went back. <laughs> but also, like she was my friend and she loved me really well and her friends were lovely to me. And you know that community got me hooked. But I didn't stay because they were lovely people. I stayed because I met Jesus. And actually, I'm not a part of that church anymore. I have moved away. And so has my friend who first invited me. And those people are very dear friends to me still. But what I'm still doing is following Jesus. Because very quickly, actually, they gave gave me permission and they gave me space to say, like, do you want to join in with our worship? Can we pray for you? What do you think about Jesus? And they didn't just carry on being lovely friends to me. They they let the Lord add me to their number. (laughs) like They let him do what he was already doing. Um, So that, I think, is, again, like as we think about small groups, as we think about who we are as a church, of course we want to have wonderful fellowship with each other. And we, of course, want to be always welcoming. At some point, we have to acknowledge that we are the Lord's people. We're not just a random group of people who kind of like each other. (laughs) We're here because the Lord has called us to be. Um yeah, it's not enough to just kind of be shy, actually. These guys weren't shy about who they thought Jesus was, about what he was doing amongst them. Um they met very boldly in public and they invited anyone to join them. Um, and so I don't think we can ever forget the point of what we're doing. Um, and I think these verses are a real challenge to that, um, because ultimately I think what they say is, God is already doing something. God was already doing something among them and they just were faithful to the call to commit to each other, to commit to serving, to commit to giving away and then he just did what he did and he's still doing it. It is the same God, as I said at the beginning. What he did then, he wants to do now um, and we can still, the reason we still talk about what happened here is because it worked. The church was built, the Lord continued adding to their number. Um, even in the face of all the persecution that came afterwards, um, they still planted churches, they still grew. Um, we're still doing what they did. Um, and maybe in 2000 years, <laughs> someone will talk about like, oh, the vineyard church in Edinburgh vineyards. Yeah, they, they were really generous and they really loved each other well and they really loved the Lord. Um, so on that note,